Volume Five, Chapter Three of Cecilia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Barony. Cecilia, Memoirs of an Heiress by Francis Burney. Volume Five, Chapter Three, An Accommodation. Cecilia was informed the next morning that a young woman begged to speak with her, and upon sending for her upstairs, she saw, to a great surprise, Miss Belfield. She came in fear and trembling, sent, she said, by her mother, to entreat her pardon for what had passed the preceding day. "'But I know, madam,' she added, "'you cannot pardon it, and therefore all that I mean to do is to clear my brother from any share in what was said.' for indeed he has too much sense to harbour any such presumption, and to thank you with a most grateful heart for all the goodness you have shown us. And then, modestly curtsying, she would have returned home, but Cecilia, much touched by her gentleness, took her hand, and kindly reviving her by assurances of esteem, entreated that she would lengthen her stay. "'How good is this, madam?' said she after having so much reason to think so ill of me and of all of us i tried in all my power to undeceive my mother or at least to keep her quiet but she was so much persuaded she was right that she never would listen to me and always said did i suppose it was for me you condescended to come so often yes answered cecilia most undoubtedly had i not known you However well I might have wished your brother, I should certainly not have visited at his house. But I am very happy to hear the mistake had spread no further. No, indeed, madam, I never once thought of it. And as to my brother, when my mother only hinted it to him, he was quite angry. But though I don't mean to vindicate what has happened, you will not, I hope, be displeased if I say my mother is much more pardonable than she seems to be. For the same mistake she made with you, she would have been as apt to have made with the princess. It was not, therefore, from any want of respect, but merely from thinking my brother might marry as high as he pleased, and believing no lady would refuse him, if he would but have the courage to speak. Cecilia assured her she would think no more of the error, but told her that to avoid its renewal she must decline calling upon her again till her brother was gone. She begged, therefore, to see her in Portman Square, whenever she had leisure, repeatedly assuring her of her good opinion and regard, and of the pleasure with which she should seize every opportunity of showing them. Delighted by a reception so kind, Miss Belfield remained with her all the morning, and when at last she was obliged to leave her, she was but too happy in being solicited to repeat her visit. She suffered one day only to elapse before she showed her readiness to accept the friendship that was offered her, and Cecilia, much pleased by this eagerness, redoubled her efforts to oblige and to serve her. From this time, hardly a day passed in which she did not call in Postman Square, where nothing in her reception was omitted that could contribute to her contentment. Cecilia was glad to employ her mind in any way that related not to Delvile, whom she now earnestly endeavoured to think of no more, denying herself even the pleasure of talking of him with Miss Belfield, by the name of her brother's noble friend. 
During this time she devised various methods, all too delicate to give even the shadow of offence, for making both useful and ornamental presents to her new favourite, with whom she grew daily more satisfied, and to whom she proposed hereafter offering a residence in her own house. The trial of intimacy, so difficult to the ablest to stand, and from which even the most faultless are so rarely acquitted, Miss Belfield sustained with honour. Cecilia found her artless, ingenuous, and affectionate. Her understanding was good, though no pains had been taken to improve it. Her disposition, though ardent, was soft, and her mind seemed informed by intuitive integrity. She communicated to Cecilia all the affairs of her family, disguising from her neither distress nor meanness, and seeking to palliate nothing but the grosser parts of the character of her mother. She seemed equally ready to make known to her even the most chosen secrets of her own bosom, for that such she had was evident, from a frequent appearance of absence and uneasiness which she took but little trouble to conceal. Cecilia, however, trusted not herself, in the present critical situation of her own mind, with any enquiries that might lead to a subject she was conscious she ought not to dwell upon. A short time, she hoped, would totally remove her suspense. But as she had much less reason to expect good than evil, she made it her immediate study to prepare for the worst, and therefore carefully avoided all discourse that by nourishing her tenderness might weaken her resolution. While thus, in friendly conversation and virtuous forbearance, passed gravely but not unhappily the time of Cecilia, the rest of the house was very differently employed. Feasting, revelling, amusements of all sorts were pursued with more eagerness than ever, and the alarm which so lately threatened their destruction seemed now merely to heighten the avidity with which they were sought. Yet never was the disunion of happiness and diversion more striking and obvious. Mr. Harrel, in spite of his natural levity, was seized from time to time with fits of horror that embittered his gayest moments, and cast a cloud upon all his enjoyments. Always an enemy to solitude, he now found it wholly insupportable, and ran into company of any sort, lest from a hope of finding entertainment, than from a dread of spending half an hour by himself. Cecilia, who saw that his rapacity for pleasure increased with his uneasiness, once more ventured to speak with his lady upon the subject of reformation, counselling her to take advantage of his present apparent discontent, which showed at least some sensibility of his situation, in order to point out to him the necessity of an immediate inspection into his affairs, which, with a total change in his way of life, was her only chance for snatching him from the dismal despondency into which he was sinking. Mrs. Harrel declared herself unequal to following this advice, and said that her whole study was to find Mr. Harrel amusement, for he was grown so ill-humoured and petulant she quite feared being alone with him. The house, therefore, now was more crowded than ever, and nothing but dissipation was thought of. Among those who upon this plan were courted to it, the foremost was Mr. Morris, who from a peculiar talent of uniting servility of conduct with gaiety of speech, made himself at once so agreeable and useful in the family, that in a short time they fancied it impossible to live without him. And Morris, though his first view in obtaining admittance had been the cultivation of his acquaintance with Cecilia, 
was perfectly satisfied with the turn that matters had taken, since his utmost vanity had never led him to entertain any matrimonial hopes with her, and he thought his fortune as likely to profit from the civility of her friends as of herself. For Morris, however flighty and wild, had always at heart the study of his own interest, and though from a giddy forwardness of disposition he often gave offence, his meaning and his serious attention was not the less directed to the advancement of his own affairs. He formed no connection from which he hoped not some benefit, and he considered the acquaintance and friendship of his superiors in no other light than that of procuring him sooner or later recommendations to new clients. Sir Robert Floyer also was more frequent than ever in his visits, and Mr. Harold, notwithstanding the remonstrances of Cecilia, contrived every possible opportunity of giving him access to her. Mrs. Harrel herself, though hitherto neutral, now pleaded his cause with earnestness, and Mr. Arnott, who had been her former refuge from this persecution, grew so serious and so tender in his devoir, that unable any longer to doubt the sentiments she had inspired, she was compelled even with him to be guarded and distant. She now, with daily concern, looked back to the sacrifice she had made to the worthless and ungrateful Mr. Harrel, and was sometimes tempted to immediately choose another guardian, and leave his house for ever. Yet the delicacy of her disposition was averse to any step that might publicly expose him, and her early regard for his wife would not suffer her to put it in execution. These circumstances contributed strongly to increase her intimacy with Miss Belfield. She now never saw Mrs. Delvile, whom alone she preferred to her, and from the troublesome assiduity of Sir Robert, scarce ever met Mr. Monckton but in his presence. She found, therefore, no resource against teasing and vexation but what was afforded her by the conversation of the amiable Henrietta. End of chapter 3 Recorded by Barony